Anybody? Uh, that he's going to uh, prepare a place for us and he's coming, his second coming, to take us home. Right. There you go. <laughs> That's the promise. Jesus said, if I go, I'll come again. And to, to re receive you unto uh, myself. That where I am, there you may be also. also. So that's what the promise is. Now, the first sentence is interesting because it says one of the most solemn and yet most glorious truths revealed in the Bible is that of Christ's second coming to complete the great work of redemption. How can it be solemn and glorious at the same time? Anybody? How can it be solemn? Well, it's going to be solemn for some, the lost. It's going to be very solemn for them, but it's going to be glorious for the saved. Hmm. Okay, anyone else? How can it be both solemn and glorious? Well, like, she, like Sister Karen said, for those of, that, you know, are professing to be a Christian and, and trying to live the Ten Commandments and live what the Holy Spirit and God asks you to do, we're going to be so happy to see him. But those that are wicked, they're going to be trying to run and hide. Okay. Very interesting then. So to some people, it will be solemn, but to many others, it will be glorious. Very good. Now, it also says a little bit down the doctrine of the second advent, talking about Christ's second, uh, second coming. The doctrine of the second advent is the very keynote of the sacred scriptures. Why does it say that Christ's second coming is the very keynote of the entire Bible? Because without him, without that, we really have no hope. We would just die and that would be it. <laughs> but we have hope that he's going to come back that, that, and that we have the opportunity for eternal life because he was raised from the dead and he um, was the first fruit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, without that hope of him coming back to get us, what what would we have faith in? What would we need faith for if... We know that, you know, sin it means death. We would have no hope to even say, I'm looking for him because we, would, we, should, we should be dead then. Mm. And, uh, we, just, uh, we just live and then we die. That's it. That's so sad and so boring. And uh, also, <laughs> also, too, that's the very promise from the Garden of Eden. You know, after the sin, after sin had entered the world, then, uh, well, even before, that was like plan B, if it, you know, because God knows everything anyway. So plan B was always in place. It wasn't a second thought that Jesus would sacrifice himself. It was already there. So, you know, um, if sin had not occurred, there would not need to be, you know, a plan of redemption. And if there was not need to be a plan of redemption, we would not need the word of God as it is. Hmm. So when we uh, first get in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned, then what did God promise? He promised that he would be enmity between the woman and the serpent and between his seed and her seed and that, and that he would bruise her heel and she would bruise his head. Mm -hmm. And that was saying what was going to happen? That there was going to be a coming redeemer, a, a messiah. Okay. And then when we get to the book of Revelation, what's the ending part of that? The Messiah returns. Yeah. So that's why the whole sacred scriptures is from beginning to end. 
talking about the second coming of Christ. When you go to like a seminar or a conference and they have a keynote speaker, that's the main person. That's the main reason you're going. That's the main focus. So now we're learning that the main focus, the very reason of the scriptures is to let us know that the Redeemer was coming and has come and is coming again mm -hmm. to save us and give us eternal life, would you say? So that's the very keynote of scriptures. And as we continue to learn, whether you read the scriptures before the cross or read the scriptures after the cross, they all end at the cross because that's where Christ came to save us and he's coming back to redeem those who believe in him. And it also talks about Enoch. He was the seventh in descent from those that were dwelt in Eden. He was Adam and Eve's seventh descendant. He walked, or he who for three centuries walked with God. How long is three centuries? 300 years. <laughs> 300 years. Can you imagine that? And he was given the, he was given the privilege uh, beholding from far the coming of the deliverer. And uh, Job says also, I know my redeemer liveth and he shall stand at the last day. In my flesh, I shall see God. I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold him and not another. So we need to have that same hope, right? Of seeing Christ in the flesh for ourselves. Have you ever heard of somebody who says, Oh, I met this famous person. Uh, you know, they, they tell you about this person and it sounds real nice. But if you ever met them yourself, it would be a whole much better story, wouldn't it? And it's the same way with Christ. We don't, it's nice that we hear about him. It's nice that we read about him, but we want to get to heaven so we can see him for ourselves. So we can speak to him and talk to him and ask him all the questions that we have. So that's a blessed hope that we have of Christ returning to receive us unto his own. Amen. Amen. It also Amen. Talks about, um, what is that? Um, paragraph 14.2 says the promise of Christ's second coming was always to be kept fresh in the minds of his disciples. Does that mean anything to us? Well, we are his disciples also. So it should mean something to us. Well, what does it mean? Anyone? That just like the disciples wanted to go out and tell others about God's goodness and what he, what he had done, you know, dying on the cross to say, we should be out there being a witness just like the disciples telling people about God's goodness and his mercy and that he is coming back to save us. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Not to be so overwhelmed with despair and discouragement about what we see going on in the world around us, but we know that there is a better world to come. Amen. Praise God for that, right? Yep. Just like the original disciples, and Karen pointed out, we're Christ's disciples too. We need to keep Christ's second coming fresh in our minds so that we don't get caught up in all the things of the world and the lust of life and the materialism that's going on in, in this world. But remember that Jesus is getting ready to return to this earth and he's looking for a prepared people for a prepared place. So if we keep Christ in our minds, it'll help us to stay focused on what's most important in life. It's nice to go out and get fancy things and 
you know, whatever. And God has given us the ability to do that. But let's keep keep first and foremost in our thoughts that Jesus is soon to return. Now is not the time to be caught in some foolishness out there uh, running around in the world like we don't have a care in the world, but always keep Christ first and foremost in our minds. And as such, as was mentioned, then our focus will be on doing the works that God wants us to do and not just being selfish and doing everything that we want to do, but pointing Christ, pointing others to Christ and leading others to Christ and studying and witnessing for the sake of Christ. Any other thoughts on how we as disciples should be? Knowing that Christ's second coming is soon? Happy. Happy? <laughs> Will you be happy that the world... <laughs> No, I'll be happy that I'm going to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting. We it, should not be so anxious and so worrying all the time and scared. And we should just be hopeful. Mm-hmm. How does focusing on Christ keep you hopeful, Alvina? Hopeful? How do we need to be hopeful? No, how does focusing on Christ allow you to be hopeful and keep you from worrying? Because uh, you can see that, well, he will bring you through. It will allow us not to worry about that. We keep our eyes focused on him. That's how I believe it would help you. Okay, terrific. Anyone else find that helpful for avoiding worry and anxiety? Uh, yes, time about keeping our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, when you think about what God has done in the Bible, you know, like parting the Red Sea, for example, you think about Enoch walking with God and then he was not. You think about that um, the fact, and this is kind of a hard one, that John the Baptist was, you know, served God all those years and he was beheaded. That, you know, there's a mixture of good and bad in there. People who really love God, they still suffered. And uh, he, some people came through the suffering, you know, as in Moses um, and, the, and the Israelites, they finally did see the land of Canaan. So we know that God will bring us through whatever we have going. We know that he's in control of everything. We just, that's, that's the hard part is trusting and really believing in that. And that's why we worry because we have not, you know, we haven't um, gotten to a place where we really, really know and believe that God is in the midst of everything, even all the bad stuff that's going on. And stuff, you know. Mm. Very and tough. I like to pick. I like to piggyback on what uh, Sister Lakita said. Looking at fourteen point two, I had to Thursday. It, you know, it was it was heavy on my heart that I couldn't be there for the uh, Jenkins as they buried Brandon, and then I had to go back and remember what God said: the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then I start know, and I start keeping my mind focused and moving around and singing, you know, songs to the Lord. And I said, and I had to remember that God said, you know, He will be with us until the end. So that kept me going, you know. And I was like, Lord, you you gave us promises. All we got to do is claim them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So there's a there are many people who are gonna who many people who really love the Savior will be looking anxiously for his return, you know, praying for his return, begging for his return, desiring his return, 
but not everybody's going to be looking forward to his return, right? So there right. are people who don't want him to come, and they hope he never comes. And uh, there's, it says no more conclusive evidence that the churches have departed from God than the irritation and animosity excited by this heaven-sent message. So if you're out preaching and teaching that Christ is soon to return and people in church are hating you for it, they're not looking for Christ's return, right? And when you imagine when you were a child growing up, if your parents told you not to do something while they go to the store and you did it, were you awaiting their return or you were hoping that they never came back? <laughs> you were, you hoped they eventually come back, back, but it took a while. Mm-hmm. Right, because you had done wrong and you, <laughs> and you were going to be Or you hoped trouble. that they would come back because they take care of you. Yeah. But you hope that you can lie your way out of it. <laughs> Well, or, or when they walk through the door, when they walk through the door, you was already crying because you knew that they <laughs> they gave you that look like I know you did it. Right. So it's gonna be that way when Christ returns. Some people are gonna be asking the rocks to hide them and fall on them and hide them from Jesus. But there'll be others who say, "Lo, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us." And it depends on which side you're on. If you love the Lord, you're gonna be one of the ones that are happy to see Him. And if you don't love the Lord and you know you've been doing wrong and, and you just have no desire to see him, then you're going to be asking for the rocks to hide you. And it's sad that there are people now who already feel that way, that they don't want Christ to return. They, they're enjoying this uh, sinful life down here and they're thinking that the materialism that they're enjoying and the uh, lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh is what they want to continue. But Christ has so much better for us in heaven. These things of earth will just pass away when we get to heaven. We won't even remember this foolishness anymore. But there are many people, unfortunately, who don't accept Christ, and they'll be the ones who don't want to see him appear. But we're looking for Christ to return, ready to go to our real home in glory with him. And says, uh, most, I think most of us know this, this, uh, sentence in in paragraph 15 one says here are they that keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus right and that's usually also before that says here are the here is the patience of the saints here are they that keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus so that's a kind of a sign for those who love the lord this message is the last message to be given before the coming of the lord isn't that amazing so if that's the last message, what's what's going to be the next big thing that we see? Christ coming come, in the sky. Come to the clouds. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Now, there will be some things happen before that, but those things that have been promised will happen rapidly. Have anyone noticed that November just started and it's already the 14th? Mm -hmm. yes. I'm like going by quickly. Yeah, everything's going by so fast. So even the last movements, it says, will be rapid. So while we're uh, thinking, people are thinking you got plenty of time. No, we don't have plenty of time, folks. The Lord is on his way. And uh, when he gets here, it'll be too late for anybody to repent. It'd be too late to pray for forgiveness. So this is a time now, the acceptable time, where we need to accept Christ and be on his side and let others know that Jesus loves them and wants them to be saved as well. Do you think the earth will ever be free from sin? Never. 
I the think when the new earth, when the new heaven and yeah, I think when the new heaven and earth come. What about before then? No, never. Are you sure people are kind of becoming nicer and more aware of others, aren't they? <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? God knows the hearts. If everybody's heart ain't in the right place when they being kind to other individuals, you don't know if the, some people they do it so that they can go later and tell that person, I did this for you, so I want you to do this. Mm. And, and, I, and I, what I'm referring to is like politics. You know, yeah. you see... You see them, they want, they, you know, we, people vote them in, but they say they're going to do something, and then they want something else, you know, from, and I'm like, God, God is not pleased, and until he comes this, and, make, and brings that new earth down, it's, it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. That's right, it's going to get worse. In fact, the uh, angels are going to loose the four winds of heaven. Let loose, and what that means is that there will be no more divine protection from Satan and his evil angels. Now, I'm not even going to try and imagine what could happen then, but we know it's not going to get better. There will be periods where it's nice, uh, people are trying to do better, and there will become the cry of it's peace and safety, but then the Bible says what happens then? Sudden destruction. Sudden destruction comes. So we know that this earth is heading downhill, like they say, heading to hell in a handbasket. But when Christ returns, all those things are going to go away. And then after uh, we go to heaven for a millennium and come back, he's going to recreate the earth, the earth made new. And then it will be free from sin. Like it was at first. Amen. Amen. Very interesting. Uh, what do you think God's original purpose for creating the earth was? We're on 15.3. What was God's original purpose for the earth? You said, what do you want, 15 with? He, 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 wanted, he wanted his creation, which was, you know, not only Adam and Eve, but everything he created, he wanted them. Once he made Adam and Eve, he wanted them to enjoy it, to have pleasure in what he had, you know, originally made, because everything was good until sin entered. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anyone else comment on that? It says that he had intended the earth to be filled uh, and made the eternal boat of the redeemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the scripture that said he created there to be inhabited. And as was mentioned, for us to enjoy it and enjoy each other's company, enjoy his company. Uh, but sin entered in and caused all that to go by the wayside. You know, God created this world. He said it was perfect. Everything in it was perfect, created for a purpose. Uh, we were just watching this documentary called Kiss the Ground. And it was all about how important soil is, the ground, and how the soil and the trees and plants and the clouds and the atmosphere, all of it works together in a big cycle to keep itself running. But of course, that's the way God created it. But mankind stepping in with all the man-made foolishness is destroying the cycle. And that's why the earth is struggling uh, under the weight of sin. 
So when God created earth, it was perfect. He had created everything for a purpose. And when you see something like that documentary, it reminds you that God had a reason for everything he did. Everything's for a reason, you know, and he, he created it for a reason, like he created this earth to be inhabited, for us to be a, to enjoy, for us to enjoy time with him, to enjoy relationships with each other, to enjoy a friendship and um, all the beauty that he created that, at that time. But now things are kind of going down because all that was lost by Adam to sin, where the devil took over, is going to be restored when Christ comes back. He's called the second Adam. So paradise was lost by the first Adam. It'll be restored by Jesus to second Adam. And Elder Carroll, you know, you mentioned about relationships. And I said, you know, it's sad about this COVID-19, but do you know, since, since the COVID-19 virus, then I've had more connections with people over the phone and, and building more, I, I want to say building more relationships and praying and studying with people over the phone than I have ever done. And I said, it's, it's not like, because of the virus, you can't do anything. I said, but I just thank God that I got a phone that's working and then I, and I'm able to, you know, hear from those people and talk to those people that I ain't seen for months and days and years. That's Amen. It's a blessing. Anybody else have that same testimony? I, I agree with Patsy. It's, it's been miraculous. I have closer relationships now than I did when I would just pass people in church and say, happy Sabbath. We're <laughs> actually having conversations. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? The question was asked in Sabbath school this morning. Does it make a difference if you worship God alone or with others? And the question also is, what's the purpose of worshiping with others? Any thoughts on that? Can you worship God alone? And what's the purpose of worshiping with others? I think you have to do both. I think, yep. you know, God tells you a time when he needs for you to hear his silent voice, just him and you. And I think there's other times when God says, uh, he sends the Holy Spirit to tell you, Put, reach out to that individual for whatever reason, God will take it from there. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else thoughts on that? Mm. It's very interesting that, as you said, Patsy, we have to do both, have our own personal connection, worship with God, and then to reach out to each other. As uh, Paula mentioned, sometimes we just get into the old happy Sabbath and keep going, not really having a good relationship with each other. And have you ever been in a situation where a person, maybe at church, they'll say, oh, how are you feeling? And then before you can get out of your mouth, how are you feeling? They moved on. Not really to form a relationship. But now that we're all kind of at home and we still can call, we can do the Zoom meetings or whatever and talk to people, you can still form a good relationship that way. And I'm glad that uh, some of you have mentioned that it is working out that way, that now you can actually sit down and have a conversation with someone instead of just zipping past them onto whatever else you were wanting to do. So 
it's good to take advantage of the opportunity. You can be at home uh, peacefully studying with the Lord, or you can be at home on a meeting like this with other people, or you can be at home witnessing to others, uh, whatever the case may be. There are times where we worship God alone, and then there are times where we worship God together, like we're doing today. Says uh, Now, this is interesting on 16.3. How many worlds are there in the universes? Anybody know? We don't really know. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, it's more than we think, isn't it? Does it seem unlimited? Does it seem fair? It says, "Our little world, the Earth, under the curse of sin, the one dark blot in His glorious creation, will be honored above all other worlds in the universe of God." Does that sound fair? Nope. Why not? <laughs> Because the other universes have been doing what they were supposed to do all this time. You know, we strayed and um, even had the audacity to put the great God of the universe, the creator, on the cross, you know, sparing and really mistreat him. So, no, you know, it seems like uh, the other beings, they were, they just keep doing what they're supposed to do. And they, I guess, had the same opportunity. I get they have free will, too. They could have chosen to not do what God told them to do, but... So it doesn't, in human, in human ways, it doesn't seem fair to me that, you know, it, he's going to be stuck looking like us the rest of eternity too, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where he's going to have scars on him and everything. And that's just, it's just don't seem fair. Hmm. But go ahead. It reminds you me know, of the I, story of the prodigal son. And uh, yeah. we are the prodigal son and the other worlds are the son that always stayed at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet the father honored the prodigal son mm -hmm. because he was lost and now he's back. Mm -hmm. And you know, and, I and, think and, in and, terms of... Go ahead, Pastor. No, I, I'm trying to work this phone. I'm sorry. Go ahead oh. and finish. And uh, so I think in terms of, uh, you know, the, the son that was always there, the father said to them, everything I have is yours you know, already. But this is my son who was lost and now he has returned. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think of the angels that's still there. They had to see one third of the angels, which I'm sure, you know, was their friends and they loved them too. But when they turned against God, they seen their own friends being put out. So I imagine with us coming in, they're like, they better, they better not have a spot. So I think God, that Jesus is is, going, is our judge and our, because I would be the same way. You put my friend out, which was an angel, and you won't let these little earthlings that put you on a cross come in. They they better have some kind of character like you, exactly like you before we let them in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now when the, uh, in your example, Karen, the prodigal son, did the father love the other son more, one son more than other, or was he just happy because the other son came back and was showing his love? He was happy. I think he loved them equally. In separate, in different ways. You know, that's how you are with your kids. My opinion, I want to put in there. Right. So it's not that God loves us more than other worlds. He's happy that, to see us return. He's happy that he had a chance to show how much he loves us by coming here and dwelling with us and 
being becoming part of us human says our little world under the curse of sin the one dark blot in his glorious creation will be honored above all other worlds in the universe here where the son of god tabernacled in humanity where the king of glory lived and suffered and died here when he shall make all things new the tabernacle of god shall be with men and he will dwell with them they shall be his people god himself should be with them and be their God, and through endless ages as the redeemed walk in the light of the Lord, they'll praise him for his unspeakable gift, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with God us. with us. Right. So God, if you think about it, wow, God came down here to be with us. Isn't that amazing? Amen. When you when you commit a crime against someone. And then that person comes to visit you in prison. So earth committed sin, and yet God came down here to be with us, to redeem us. It's unspeakable love. We can't, we can't even explain, you know, in our humanity, we can't think of that type of love. But as God's Holy Spirit uh, leads us and guides us, then as you said, Patsy, our characters will be like Christ. We shall see him as he is, you know, and then we will be able to uh, dwell eternally with him. Worthy is the lamb slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory, and blessing. If you just think about what Christ went through to come down here to be with us, I mean, it's unbelievable. When we get to heaven, we'll see all the glory of heaven and all the majesty and think about, wow, you know, he left all this to come down to earth to be with us. Amazing grace. God created right. to be, what'd you say? I just said that's right. Mm -hmm. God created the earth to be the abode of holy, happy beings. Holy and happy. Is there something wrong with being happy nowadays? <laughs> It seemed like so many people are angry all the time. Got the got a frown on their face continually, scared to laugh, scared to have fun in public. Is there a problem with being happy? No. Then why why are so many people not happy? Because they don't have Jesus in their lives. Or keeping their eyes focused on them, I should say. Big point. What about people who do know Jesus and still not happy? They're ignoring him and not doing his will. They're doing their own will and they turn then ended up not happy. Hmm. Let me ask you a personal question. Don't answer. Are you happy? Don't answer it? No, that's just a thought question. I'm gonna answer it anyway. I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As the Lord formed the earth and made it, he established it. He didn't create it in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. That purpose will be fulfilled when renewed by the power of God and freed from sin and sorrow. It shall become the eternal abode of the redeemed. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. And there will be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That's unbelievable. God's throne will be here on the earth made new. Thoughts on that? 
think that's a wonderful thing, but it goes back to the other worlds who never sin. I'm like, what's so special about us, you know? <laughs> See, that's why I'm going to fly over and visit them to let them know we, we all loving the, the Lord and what Jesus did. I'm going to be over their house and they're going to be over mine. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, that's a special, those other worlds and the beings on those worlds are very special beings, too, because that, that would evoke jealousy in you if you're not, um, you know, like Jesus, if you're not like Jesus and stuff. It's mm -hmm. human standpoint. It's like, really? Stay going over there? Our <laughs> world look much better than that. that well, well, they're sinless beings, so they won't have yeah. the same feelings. Yeah, they won't. So, yeah. And we still have to remember, they, they, like I said, they put out their own angel friends. They help fight against them to get them out of, out of, out of the mix so that they wouldn't have sin up there. Mm. So it's hurting, but, you know, it has to be for them to acknowledge, I had to put them out. They went against God. And as much as we were all angels together, there had to be a sifting, and they had to put them on out. Yeah. You talking about? Wait a minute. You talking about the fallen beings help the angels of heaven? No. No, I'm talking about when there was war in heaven. You imagine uh, one third of those angels; they still must have had friend other angels that they had to fight against, even though they were friends, because they were the ones that was going along with whatever Lucifer was saying. So, can you imagine after you having to fight against your friends, you don't want these earthly beings that's coming to live. You don't. You don't want to have to fight against them. You want to make sure that their character is exactly like Christ. You know, I think, though, if you look at what we've just been through with 45, and, and we're still not, going through. Yeah, we're not able to, uh, how that division occurred over a period of time. By the time those angels got kicked out, God, you know, the Holy God was, is, is just, he's smart, uh, and uh, he allowed that thing to go on because he knew those angels would feel like, well, that's my friend, and blah, blah, blah. By the time that thing had happened and that open rebellion came, they were the uh, friends had been embattled in discussions, just like if you had a friend who was a Trump follower. And after some point, after 100,000 conversations, you know, you kind of let it go. You, you say, well, OK, you know, we just can't walk together anymore. And I, by that time, it wasn't that hard to kick them out. I'm, I'm sure they was wreaking havoc and, and being, um, discordant and all that good stuff, too. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure that that's why we're here going through this mess now so that we can be extra sure you want to be in heaven, you know, because this is what you get if you don't want to be. You want this earth or you want heaven. So by the time we get there, we're going to be so good. I'm like, yes. Yes, mm. angels. Yes, God. Yep. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, not going to make it without the character of Christ. Now, I remember the parable of the uh, 10 gold coins and the person dropped the coin they didn't forget about the other nine, but they got down on their knees, got down into the dirt, got a lamp, looked under the bed, reached through cobwebs and behind the dresser looking for that lost coin, right? And then think about the hundred sheep and the shepherd, one of the sheep got lost. The shepherd, he didn't forget about the other 99, but he went out looking for that one that was lost. Climbed down Amen. The, looked through the scram, uh, brambles, looked down in the ravine and 
picked a, a little sheep up, carried it on his shoulders back to the fold. So thank you, Lord. The other worlds, but he came down here to find us so that we can join them in glory. Let's look at that's uh, amazing grace. Yeah. Now, I thought this was interesting. This is the last paragraph, 17.3. And Sister Weiss says, I saw the beauty of heaven. I heard the angels sing their rapturous songs, ascribing praise, honor, and glory to Jesus. I could then realize something of the wondrous love of the Son of God. First of all, if you got to see heaven and heard the angels singing, you wouldn't want to come back to this earth. You know, you wouldn't even want to come out of vision. You just want to stay there and keep listening to the music and looking around heaven. But she, she pointed out that Jesus left all glory, all the honor he had in heaven, and was so interested for our salvation, not his, but for ours, that he patiently and meekly bore every indignity and slight which man could heap upon him. He was wounded, smitten, bruised, stretched on Calvary's cross, suffered the most agonizing death to save us from death, that we might be washed in his blood and raised to live with him in the mansion he's preparing for us to enjoy the light and glory of heaven, to hear the angels sing and to sing with them. That's what you call matchless love, that he was willing to do all that to save us. You know, sometimes we like to watch this uh, show called I Shouldn't Be Alive. Anybody else, else watch that? That's awesome. I've never heard of it. You watch it, Paula? Oh, yes. I mean, it's like a testimony. Whether they know it or not, it gives glory to God. I watch it with the kids. Yeah, it does. Because those people, no way they're going to escape from danger without the angels intervening. And I was thinking about one we saw the other night. And this guy was in a... Um, got stuck in a blizzard with his son, his 10-year-old son, and he was supposedly had survival training, but they got stuck on top of the mountain in a blizzard, and instead of the dad taking the son straight back down the mountain to the lodge, he, for some reason, took a left turn, went around the other side of the mountain with this 10-year-old boy. And then they had to spend the night in a cave and I'm sitting there thinking, and the, and the dad said he couldn't carry the boy. And I'm like, he's only 10. <laughs> you know, first of all, he's 10 years old. You got skis, put him on, strap the skis on him and drag him if you have to. But he did, then he didn't want to go out of the cave to look for a helicopter. He could hear the helicopter. And he just sat in the cave wondering, is that a helicopter? Should I go out? And the boy told him, go out and look. You know, and then he said uh, he didn't want to leave the boy. He saw some uh, some cabins that maybe some people were in, but he didn't want to leave the boy to go get the cabins. And I was thinking about him. I'm like, he's not really doing all that he should be doing to save this boy. You know, he's not willing to do to be wounded and bruised and and uh, injured and you know out of breath and exerting the energy. But here's Christ doing all these things for us to prevent us from death when we deserved it. And I was thinking about that, that he didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to die for us. He did it because he chose to, because he loves us so much and because he wants us to be with him in glory. So 
that's going to be one of the things that we're going to think about throughout the ages of eternity is, man, what kind of love does Jesus have for mankind that he would go through all that, leave all of heaven, leave all the majesty of the angels and the glory there to come down to this old dirty sinful earth to help us. Nobody. I don't think we'll really, I don't think we'll really understand until we actually see heaven for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, and that's why we'll throw our crowns at his feet because we're like, you left this for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Worthy like, is the lamb. Any other comments on that? And you know, another thing it, it, it speaks of that God will be able to show in his hand and stuff where they nailed him. And I said, like like Karen said, we'll be throwing these crowns down saying, my, my God, you know, I don't want this. You don't been through enough just to, ha you know, just to be able just to be there. But then you see the person that hung on that cross and you actually can see what they did to him. I think, you know, in my mind, I, I can't fantasize anybody giving that much love to me. Mm -mm. Amen. Plus, he's going to have to have, well, we have no scars on us. <laughs> well, we will look perfect. Yeah. He will, he will have those scars throughout eternity. It's unbelievable. All, all out of love. And um, the only way that we can love one another is to allow God's Holy Spirit to put that type of love in our hearts and minds so that we do care about one another, so that we do uh, appreciate each other's companies so that we do what we can to help others feel loved and wanted and desired and important and respected, all those things. It really takes the love of Christ in our hearts. Again, in Sabbath school, we were talking about that. Uh, why is it that people don't exhibit the type of love Christ had? Because you have to allow him to put that type of love within you. That's the only way it's going to happen. You can't work to get it. You can't practice to get it. You can't go to class to get it. You just have to surrender and allow Jesus to put his character within you. That's the only way we'll ever be like, be like Christ. So it's a real blessing. Uh, we're learning a little bit more about heaven, uh, a, little, a lot more about God's love for us, and hopefully a lot more about our relationship with him as we continue to study and and uh, worship together. And throughout the week, you know, as you have time, don't wait till the last day to read your chapters, but read it early and then meditate on it throughout the week. See what else you can come up with, uh, other discussions, other questions, uh, other resources that we can look at also as we all go on this journey to learn more about Christ, more about Jesus, I would know more of his grace to others show. Uh, at this time, is there is any special prayer requests? Yes, I have uh, a couple of uh, special prayer requests. One is for Pastor Myron and Tamala and the family, the Jenkins Jen, uh, Jenkins family, through their their sorrow period. And then uh, I have one for uh, Elder How Ken Howard and Paulette Howard. I think it's their nephew. His name is Jesse, and he lost his wife this week. And um, I just I'm, everybody that's, you know, going through some type of illness, I just ask God to touch their bodies, 
and do his will in their lives. Patsy, I hadn't heard about it. And what happened? Hello? You can tell us a little later. Because I hadn't heard about it. Uh, and then there's a, there's a sister at Berean that they said last night on the line, they said Sister Mills passed away from Berean. I didn't know her. Benny Mills. Benny Mills. Okay. And and George Taylor both passed this week. Oh, uh, he did? Wow. I thought he didn't. It's been a rough week. He fine. He at went. first there was a report he did, yes, then there's a report that wasn't. He was in critical condition, but he did pass. That's the last word. And Pam Simmons' mother passed. Okay. Karen, you want to uh, take us offline? We can go ahead and do the more personal prayer request things. Thanks for everyone online joining us. We'll see you next week again. Okay. And Karen, what chapter? We're on chapter 74. Yes, we'll be on chapter 74. I'm sorry, 75. Okay. Walk in the light. 75. 75. Okay. All right. Everybody have a happy Sabbath. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Paul. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. i to get the message to. to oh, me. I'm sorry. Hold on, y'all. Mm-hmm. So it'll be chapter 75 next week in Testimony, Volume 1. So what happened to the boy and the man? Hold on. No, we're still live.